Welcome to the Sport Manitoba podcast, hosted by Nolan Cole. Welcome to episode 21 of the Sport Manitoba podcast. I'm Nolan Cole, the digital media specialist at Sport Manitoba. At Sport Manitoba, our focus is on supporting and planning sport programs to promote the development of vibrant citizens, athletes, and communities in Manitoba. We're also the main funding agency for amateur sport in the province, with over 65 provincial sport organizations in our building. Also located in our building is the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. Earlier this summer, we unveiled our newest inductees for the class of 2020. One team, the 1996 and 97 University of Manitoba Bisons women's basketball squad, along with eight individuals, will go into the hall, including racquetball player Jennifer Saunders, who appeared on episode 7 of our podcast, Sheldon Kennedy, who continues to do extraordinary work as a spokesperson for violence and abuse prevention, and Paul Robson, the former Winnipeg Blue Bomber and Sport Manitoba board chair. More on Mr. Robson after a word from our sponsors and campaigns. Rediscover the places you love to explore right here at home in Manitoba. Grab the people who mean the most to you and fill your heart with what you love. Go hiking, hit the links, or catch some fish. Visit a museum, go on a road trip, or connect with other cultures. Go for ice cream, share a drink, or enjoy the sunset from wherever you are. Get inspired to explore Manitoba at TravelManitoba.com. At Sport Manitoba, we recognize the crucial role that officials have within sport. Keep an eye out for our No Ref, No Game campaign this year, as we'll be sharing real stories from Manitoba officials and what it's like to be behind the call. Remember to always respect your officials, because without them, there is no game. Sport Manitoba and Doctors Manitoba joined forces in 2013 to launch Fit Kids Healthy Kids. Both partners saw the need to promote physical literacy as a means to combat health risks associated with a sedentary lifestyle such as type 2 diabetes and obesity. Doctors Manitoba has been generously supporting Fit Kids Healthy Kids financially since its inception. Learn more at fitkidshealthykids.ca. Following a successful career with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as both a player and general manager, a stint that included the 1984 Grey Cup Championship, Paul Robson quickly became a champion for amateur sport in Manitoba. He served as the chair of our organization for 17 years, beginning in 1996 when Sport Manitoba emerged from the Manitoba Sports Federation. Paul also played a role in establishing our brand new building here at 145 Pacific as the new home for amateur sport, which includes the Paul Robson Coaching Resource Center on the second floor, named in his honor. Already inducted into the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame as part of two football teams, the 1961 St. James Rods and the 1984 Blue Bombers, and after receiving the Order of Manitoba in 2017, Paul will now also soon be a member of the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame in the multi-sport builder category. How does it feel, Mr. Robson? Well, a little, uh, I guess, take, not taken aback, but... You know, when you, you look at the uh, builders in the in the Hall of Fame, you ask yourself, you know, uh, do I qualify? <laughs> um, what I've always felt about uh, recognition and, and, and Halls of Fame, that, uh, uh, you know, you, you've got a pretty high standard to, to reach to, to meet some of the, uh, the, the criteria of, the, of members already inducted. So I was... Uh, you know, enormously pleased, and uh, but it, it's a little humbling. So I'm kind of <laughs> kind of dealing with it. In terms of the other inductees that are going in with you, did you have a chance to kind of look at the list? Any names stand out to you? Sheldon Kennedy, Jennifer Saunders, Ed Wernick, some big names. Any you know personally? Yeah, uh, Ralph Linden. 
I know, I know Ralph from uh, our days at the University of North Dakota. Ralph played both football and hockey down there, and uh, he was a great lacrosse player, just an outstanding lacrosse player. Uh, and a, a kind of an interesting story uh, when Ralph was playing hockey down there at University of North Dakota. They played the Russian team, and this was the time when the Russians were starting to come into uh, North America to uh, really uh, uh, see that they could build a team that eventually, you know, uh, became a, a dominant team in, in hockey. And they were just starting out, and they, they came in, and their, their coach was that uh, the big old bear of a guy, uh, Fedorov, was it Anatoly? It was a Tarasov? Tarasov. Yeah. <laughs> Tarasov. Big, burly kind of bear of a yeah. guy. And uh, the, uh, uh, the media had interviewed him, and Lyndon told me this uh, later. He, he said that the only guy that he knew on the team was Lyndon, Ralph. And, uh, he, he, and they'd asked him, uh, you know, do you know anything about these players? And he said, yeah, three, three. <clears throat> you know, he gave the cross-checking sign. <laughs> that was... Ralph was a uh, tough, hard, uh, and, and as you say, he played both football and, uh, and hockey collegiately at the University of North Dakota. So I'm really delighted to see Ralph go in there. Uh, that's, uh, it's long overdue, and, and certainly uh, he deserves it. And obviously we're looking forward to, to inducting the entire class in person when we can, when, when the health restrictions allow us to. But I want to go back to your playing career a little bit too here, Paul. And obviously you're best known as a blue bomber, but I'm curious, I imagine you must have played multiple sports growing up, am I right? Well, yeah, I, I did. I, I mean, I played everything. There's one great thing about my, my parents. They weren't uh, helicopter parents. Whatever, whatever I wanted to do, they let me do. Yeah. So I, I played hockey and baseball and curling. Um, actually, uh, uh, we had a really good uh, uh, curling uh, uh, team. Uh, John Hellemond uh, was the uh, skip, and uh, 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 Rattray Owens and I were. Uh, uh, we played at Valor Road. We won the junior championship at Valor Road. Then we went over to Thistle, and we won the junior championship at Thistle. And so I, I, uh, every sport that was available to play uh, as as a kid. Uh, uh, hockey and of course it was all outdoor rinks except every now and then you'd get to play at the old X ground uh, way up north Winnipeg and you know I date myself but we actually took the streetcar up Main Street up down Portage from my place where I lived on Clifton Street uh, Portage and Main and all the way up Main to the old exhibition arena to play an indoor game that was a that was a big deal but uh, uh, hockey baseball curling uh, I just anything and then when I got into high school uh, playing football and that was my next question what drew you to football why did you focus in on that um I don't know I, I you know generally uh, uh boys when they get to be uh, 15 16 there's a lot of testosterone flowing and so you want to bang into people and I I, uh, I happen to have probably the the really def dis definitive and deciding uh, person in my life uh, was the head football coach at Kelvin High School, Bill Belanchuk, and uh, Bill took me under his wing um, and uh, in a fashion that would be uh, kind of interesting today. He challenged me every single day uh, uh, to be a, a better football player, but he also made me, and then he would take individual time with me and practice with me to be a better football player. And then he said, uh, can you swim? And I said, yeah, I can swim. He said, well, good. He said, you're going to work for me this summer. Uh, I'm running a, a day camp out at Winnipeg Beach, and I need a, a, a swimming instructor. You're going to be it. And he said, I'll pick you up Wednesday evening. You're going to go over. And 
all winter long, he picked me up uh, twice a week, uh, drove me to uh, the pool on Sherbrooke. I got my uh, bronze medallion and bronze cross and my Red Cross water safety instructor's uh, badge. And I, um, I taught swimming for him for two years and lifeguarded at Winnipeg Beach. Uh, and that went on uh, during high school. And, uh, uh, and then the, the beauty of it was when I was at the University of North Dakota, I got my American water safety instructor badge as well and had a job lifeguarding at the University of North Dakota pool. And uh, once I was married, I lifeguarded at the, uh, the pool, and that was really my summer, summer job. So Bill uh, not only uh, uh, made me a, a football player, uh, but uh, was instrumental in my, in really in my life, my early life. And, uh, and then, on top of all that, um, his teammate at the uh, University of North Dakota, one of his teammates was a guy by the name of Steve Myra, and Steve Myra, uh, kicked the tying field goal in the great uh, Baltimore Colt New York Giant uh, game, and, and, and he showed up at the University of North Dakota and said, uh, "Well, son, you're going to go to the University of North Dakota, and we've got a scholarship for you." And Bill had arranged all of those kinds of things, and uh, I found out later from the uh, the head coach Marv Helling that um, uh, Bud Grant had also uh, recommended that uh, I, I attended a whole bunch of camps that Bud used to run for for high school. Uh, kids and, and trying to identify young Canadian players who might be able to play in the CFL. So uh, th that was the genesis of the whole journey through football uh, for me was uh, my high school football coach. And that's why I'm so positive about coaching and how important coaching is to, to young kids. So I'm going to ask you more about coaching, but first I want to ask you about your nickname that you got with the Bombers, Mad Dog. How did that start? Uh, Joe Zaleski hung that one on me. I, I was an enthusiastic player. I, I can't say that I had great skill, but I was very enthusiastic. Oh. And one day in a meeting, he, he, he laid that one on me. And they, they, of course, in 1964, there were only two rookies that made the Blue Bombers, myself and Billy Cooper. And, uh, of course, uh, he, he laid that one on me, and the, the veterans just ate that up. So that stuck, unfortunately. Did you like it or not really? I never, <laughs> I never thought much about it. I, yeah. I didn't consider myself that uh, in any case. Yeah. Uh, coaches. So obviously our coaching resource center here named after you. I, I know you've been around a lot of great coaches. Yeah. Did you ever coach yourself? Uh, I coached the Transcontinental Nationals uh, uh, football uh, team uh, one year. I had a lot of fun doing it. I, I, I really enjoyed coaching the kids. I did not do a lot of coaching, but I, I did have the benefit of some really great coaches. And I, I've talked about Bill Belanchuk. The coaches at the University of North Dakota, Marv Helling, uh, Dewey Sunby, and Paul Roach. Uh, Paul Roach went on later to coach with uh, uh, Madden at, at Oakland and then uh, is a legend in Wyoming, at the University of Wyoming, and Dewey Sunby, uh, the line coach. And Dewey was exactly like Bill Blanchock. He was cut from the same cloth. And we went out there, put the pads on, and just beat the daylights out of each other day after day after day after day. But was absolutely a, a guy that you could just love as a coach because he was all football coach. The only thing other than than football for him was flying. And the only time we got a respite during practice was if a plane would fly over and Dewey would stop and he'd look up at one of the, you know, the light aircraft and check the numbers and see who was flying that day. He, uh, he was a pilot and a, and a football coach. And 
consequently, uh, a number of us have uh, uh, established a, a scholarship fund in his name down there, and it's, uh, we ran a golf tournament, uh, raised a whole bunch of money, and, uh, and Dewey Sunby uh, Scholarship now goes to uh, young football players. So um, I had great college coaches. And then, you know, how can you top uh, playing for Bud Grant? Uh, but the other part was that I was really playing for John Michaels, who was an identical copy of Bill Belanchuk, Dewey Sunby, and Michaels was exactly cut from the same cloth. Just challenge every moment of the day. You know, that's not good enough. Do it better. And had I not uh, been brought up with those guys and understood that coaches could challenge you and be critical of you, but still respect you and uh, and they're really doing it to make you better. And, you know, there's a famous saying in uh, in uh, pro sport, when the coach stops yelling at you, pack your bags, you're gone. Uh, as long as they're yelling at you, then, you know, there's something good happening. You're, you're doing something right. Um, so I was fortunate to uh, play with, uh, play for uh, Bud and uh, John Michaels and, and Joe Zaleski. And John Michaels went on to become, in the National Football League, regarded as one of the best offensive line coaches in the National Football League. Uh, and he really was a, an outstanding coach. You mentioned Bud Grant. We had a social media post go out the other day on him from our Hall of Fame, and it absolutely exploded. Everyone commenting on it, liking on it. You played for him. It seems like there's still such an affinity for him. Uh, why is that? It just His nickname when I was with the team was The Fox. And the guys called him The Fox because for some reason or other, he would outfox every guy, every coach that he coached against. And, and part of it was the fact that he, I think, was the fact that he was a great outdoorsman. He was always checking the wind, checking the weather, and we found out later that he had a guy at the airport that just before game time, he'd call and get the weather forecast. Where's the, which way is the wind going to blow? So he'd know in the fourth quarter. And I, I swear to God, there were times we had the, the wind every quarter of the game, first half and second half. We just, he just seemed to, he was the fox. Uh, wow. And he, he, he never said much, but, you know, he's got those, that penetrating stare that he looked right through you. And uh, he was the kind of guy that uh, when he was in the room, you know, I was with the team in those three years. When he was in the room, everybody had one eye on the fox. You know, what's the fox doing? And then great, we, we used to have a, a wind-up at the end of the year, and uh, the same thing would happen every single year. Jan Plain would go up to Bud and say, Bud, could I have this dance? And he would reply, I always save the first dance for my wife, Pat, and I haven't danced with her yet, Jan, thank you very much. He never danced. <laughs> I always saved the first dance for my wife. <laughs> but they do that every year. Just uh, uh, he, he just uh, he was a dominant personality. Uh, was an incredible athlete. When you think he played both basketball and football professionally, uh, named Minnesota's uh, uh, athlete, University of Minnesota athletes of the century, and those kinds of things. He he's uh, he. he he commanded your respect, and then you, but you always felt that he had something up his sleeve that was going to happen that would win you a football game. It's interesting. The airport story is really cool. I'd never heard yeah, that one before. Yeah. I noticed you got your 84 Grey Cup ring on, and that's connected to the next coach I want to ask you about, Cal Murphy, who you hired when you were the GM. 
What made him such a special coach? I, uh, I didn't know Cal very well. Uh, and my impression of Cal was that he was always kind of the smiling, laughing guy. And I got a call from Hugh Campbell. And uh, Hugh said, you know, Paul, you should, uh, you should really interview Cal. And uh, so I went up in Edmonton and, and uh, interviewed Cal. And I had dinner with his wife and family and all the rest. And we started to talk about football. And the more he talked about it, the more I thought to myself, that's exactly what I, my assessment of the team at that time was that we'd become soft, that we, we weren't a real tough mental or physical football team. And I just thought we, we really needed to get tough. And uh, uh, so uh, Cal was, uh, first of all, we talked about offense and defense. And he talked about, this is the offense I like to run. This is the way I like to play defense. This is what we're going to do. Well, you know, these are the kind of players we need to get, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, uh, and I, I came back to the board of directors and said, uh, look, uh, this is the guy. Cal Murphy's the guy. I said, he's got a backbone that is absolutely steel, and, um, and he'll make this team uh, into the kind of team that we need. Uh, and he, he was relentless, uh, you know, just in, and we became the kind of team that obviously was there from the 84 team on through a, a kind of a run of Grey Cups that they won. So as you know, we've got Sport Manitoba coaching here in the building, all about developing and supporting kind of that next generation of coaches. So based on your experience, whether it was the CFL or elsewhere, what makes a great coach? And, and do you have any advice for, for coaches? Oh, gosh. You know, advice is cheap. I think the, the single thing that a coach can be is absolutely consistent all the time, be the same. Uh, be yourself. And one of the great things that I, I liked about uh, Bill Belanchuk and Marv Helling and, and Bud Grant is they were, they were the same. I, I, I played three years for a coach uh, who was one year he was Don Shula, the next year he was uh, George Allen. Uh, and, and I said, whoa, wait a second. I don't, I don't want to play for Vince, or Vince Lombardi was the other one. So we came into training camp and it was everything was Vince Lombardi, you know. Uh, practice makes perfect. It was just, it was, I wanted to play for that guy. And, and uh, so I, the, the advice is be yourself. Uh, you, you can be tough on them, but every one of those players has to know that you respect them and that you like them, even if you have to yell at them every now and then, that you like them. Um, I believe that putting a, a level of expectation out there. Um, if you don't expect great things of people, they will not deliver great things for you. So the expectation level uh, for an athlete from a coach has to be high. And whenever an athlete uh, reaches that expectation or gets close to that expectation, you need to praise them. Uh, you need to say, attaboy, good job. That's, that's really good job, good job. Good job. And, and, and that's really about all you have to say. You know, you, you made that play. You've got it down. You know how to do it. Way to go. But uh, on the other hand, hey, you've got to do better. You know, when this happens, you've got to do that. The rest of the teams are depending on you. Uh, so just be yourself. Uh, have high expectations of your team. Um, praise them and be consistent. Don't be inconsistent. They, 
Coaches, they can't stand inconsistency. And, you know, you, here's an example. Just thinking about it last night. Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz takes the Washington Capitals to the Stanley Cup. And the Washington Capitals aren't the same without Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz in Philadelphia. Not as good players doing the same thing. Why? Because he's Barry Trotz all the time, always, and, and, and especially at the pro level where those guys have got antenna that are just so finely tuned. They, they're, they're tuned into everything. Uh, if you're wishy-washy or if you're not true to yourself and, and, and on point all the time, they'll see it, they'll see right through you so fast, and there's nothing that can absolutely destroy a coach, then, uh, then uh, especially at the professional level. Um, that's a Cal Murphy. Cal Murphy was Cal Murphy was Cal Murphy was Cal Murphy. The guys that played for him will tell you that all the time. He was always the same, and he was always Cal Murphy. And uh, I think that's really, really an important thing. Be yourself. Very good. Paul Robson is our guest on the Sport Manitoba podcast. We'll be right back with the second half of our discussion after this. To celebrate Manitoba's 150th birthday, Sport Manitoba proudly published iconic stories from 150 years of sport in Manitoba. Written by author Sean Grassi, the book showcases outstanding athletes, teams, and events that made a profound impact on our sport community, with all proceeds going to Kidsport Manitoba. Purchase your copy at kidsportcanada.ca manitoba. Millions of teeth are lost or traumatized annually during sporting activities. Custom mouthguards are recommended by the Manitoba Dental Association as the best way to protect the teeth and prevent injuries to the soft tissue of the mouth as well as the head, jaw and back. Visit your local dental office to learn more or get fitted for your custom mouthguard. Talk to your dentist. Good for you. Good for life. The Sport Manitoba Fitness Centre is now open with extra safety precautions in place. Our in-person classes now adhere to physical distancing guidelines and we also now offer virtual classes, virtual personal training and virtual memberships. To get started, visit sportmanitoba.ca. Okay, Paul, you were the first board chair of Sport Manitoba. Yeah. I'm uh, just curious what drew you to that position. <laughs> what drew me to the position was Jim Ernst called me. He was the minister responsible for sport, and he said, Paul, I want you to do this. <laughs> so that's what drew me to it. Um, I was a part of the uh, group that uh, kind of formulated the plans, how this was all going to amalgamate. Uh, and uh, credit to Al McAtavish, who had done a lot of work years, like three years before that, uh, in what might a uh, amalgamation of the Sport Directorate and the uh, Manitoba Federation for Sports look like. And uh, so the, we had a little committee, and, and, and then when the committee was over, Jim called me and said, uh, thanks, good job, you're now the uh, chair of the, of the board. <laughs> so that's how it happened. That's how it happened. Yeah. So in that job for 17 years, anything stand out as being kind of some proud moments for you? Yeah, I, I think the... Yes. First of all, um, when you chair a board, you're privileged because you can get to sit around the table with some of the smartest and ablest people that you can find. And the first thing you know as a, as a chair of anything is you're not the smartest guy in the room. There's a whole bunch of smart guys, and uh, uh, smart men and women. And uh, uh, so trying to uh, bring that out and I think we did a very good job in the early going. We had some workshop sessions uh, that were very productive and kind of set the 
the tone for you know what 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 could we be uh, and what should we be in the long term, and then. Uh, the, the major move was uh, moving out of 400 Main Street. The reality was that Sport Manitoba was a place of good parking, good meeting rooms, and office space. But that's all we were. And if Sport Manitoba was to become a leader in sport in the province, which was the mandate that we were given, then we needed to be able to provide an entire 360-degree uh, circle of services from office space uh, to parking uh, to meeting rooms. And then what you see today at, this, at the Sport for Life Center, where we've got a coaching resource center and we've got a rehabilitation, uh, physiotherapy and strength and conditioning and uh, gymnasiums and running track so that Sport Manitoba can offer uh, athletes and coaches uh, a full 360 degree support service and you just talked about kind of all those different facets we have here now I guess how important is it to just kind of have that one epicenter for amateur sport in the province well it's unique in Canada yeah. there, there's no other place in Canada that has this uh, and uh, uh, I think that the, I put it this way the services are all here and the sports that are are smart are using them and uh, and should use them more. And I can understand why soccer went and located at the soccer plants. That was a good move for them. That was a smart move for them. Uh, they, they, but the, the services are here and the, they're, they should be used and, and I, I know are being used. And so uh, really, really important. And I, I, think, I think the other really important thing that I've seen, and I'm going back now to, you know, 1950, 51, 52, 53, 54. Uh, the opportunity and the advancement for women in sport has been unbelievable. In my lifetime, and I'm going to be 80 in January, in my lifetime, uh, I've seen uh, the opening up and opportunities. I have, I have two granddaughters who are playing elite level college basketball in the United States of America on scholarships. Um, and the opportunities uh, for women in sport uh, have, have just been absolutely tremendous. Now, is there more? Of course, there's always more. There, there's more can be done. But from what, from what I've seen in, uh, since I was a teenager to today is, is quite remarkable. And what's more remarkable is how women have taken, uh, taken advantage of it, not just on the field but off the field in non-traditional roles. Sarah Orleski is one of the best I've ever seen as a sideline reporter. And I've watched a lot of football, a lot of, and she is just outstanding in hockey and football. Uh, and why? Because she asks the right questions and the, and, the, and the players respect her. You can see that every time she asks a question. That's a tough job. I remember when Christy Blatchford was the first female reporter allowed into a CFL locker room, and Cal Murphy wasn't going to have anything, he was having none of it. But it, can you imagine that? And that, that was, that's not all that long ago that it was, oh my God, there's a woman reporter. Well, the women in sport have come uh, a tremendous way and have taken advantage of, of their opportunities. Absolutely. 
I guess when you, you think back to 1996 and now fast forward to, to 2020 now and you see this building here now, is this kind of the vision you had? Yeah, it is. It, it really is. Uh, uh, I mean, there might be one or two little things, that, uh, uh, but uh, by and large, yeah. And then just, uh, you know, for the future of amateur sports in the province, is there anything, any changes, anything you'd like to see in the future? I don't know what the future, and I especially don't know what the impact of the uh, pandemic is going to have on, on sport. Um, I, uh, one of the things that I've, I have a s strong opinion on, and that is that kids should play every sport they can possibly play. I think that um, many of the U.S. kids have a greater opportunity to do that. Uh, now, that's the experience I've had. I have uh, uh, eight grandchildren, uh, uh, all of whom are, have played sports, but seven of them lived in the United States. Um, and um, they have played uh, hockey, football, baseball, fast pitch, basketball. All of them have played all the sports that they can play uh, because the school system says, okay, this is the season for football, this is the season for basketball, this is the season for track and baseball, and they've had the, an opportunity to play all those sports. Uh, and I, I, I think any parents who, who put their uh, kids just in one sport, I, I think, don't really give the, the kids the biggest opportunity they could. Um, yeah, this is this is really an oddity. Do you know there was a time when hockey had a slogan that ran here in Manitoba? It was take your kids to the arena and stay to watch them play. Nowadays, it's you know take the kids to the arena and please go to the coffee shop until the game's over because some parents have. have now I understand. I understand that as well because I mean, when my kids were playing, I, like I'm playing the game with them, and it's even worse when your grandkids are playing and you're in the stands. You're living every moment of it. But I've had enough experience to live the moment, but silently live the moment. <laughs> For sure. Beyond multiple sports, playing multiple sports growing up, any other advice? Yeah, you say advice is cheap, but any other tips you would give athletes growing up? Anything like that? First of all, take advantage of the, the opportunities you've got, uh, the, the opportunities for, for training and strength and conditioning, and, and stay away from the hocus-pocus of this, you know, these artificial things that can make you better. That's just deadly. Uh, just uh, you can you can do it yourself with hard work and 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 perseverance and attention to detail very good uh just the last question for you here i know you're still golfing these days so that keeps you busy but i understand you still volunteer a little bit so just the extent of your involvement with the community still well it's it's diminished i you know it, it uh, i had a great opportunity and it really started when Pearl McGonigal came uh, and said to me, Paul, I'd like you to join my uh, cabinet with the United Way of Winnipeg. And I really discovered uh, what you could do or what you could accomplish by being involved in the community. And I was involved with the United Way for a number of years the, uh, with the Victoria General Hospital, with the Manitoba Heart and Stroke Association. Uh, uh, the greatest experience was the Pan Am Games. Uh, being able to be on the host society of the Pan Am Games, what a, what a, what a signal moment uh, those games were, uh, uh, certainly in my life, but in, in, in the history of Winnipeg. So 
Right now, I, I, I was on the board of the uh, uh, Sports Hall of Fame Museum, uh, and uh, I do a few little things, but uh, I'm retired. Just one more question on the Hall of Fame topics. So, you know, as a part of it, you mentioned you're on the board and kind of helping it come along in this new building. Does that make it any more special that well, now that you're inducted? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Because one of the other things that we, you know, the, the, the having the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame in uh, the Eaton's building or wherever it was, uh, it was just it just didn't seem right to me. I mean, it, it should be right at the heart of of sport, and uh, the collection of artifacts. Uh, 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 this Hall of Fame is stunning. When you consider the things, the artifacts that they've they've uh, kept and restored and are taken care of, uh, that's the history of sport in the province of Manitoba. And I'm extremely uh, proud of uh, of how that's done and how the care that's given to the to the artifacts, uh, as well as the honor that's given to a few Manitobans every now and then. Well, Paul, congrats on your induction once more, your dedication to Sport Manitoba, your contributions to sport, and, and thanks for coming on to talk about it. Thank you. Thanks again to Paul Robson for spending some time with us to discuss his outstanding contributions to sport in Manitoba, and we congratulate him once again on his well-deserved induction into the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame, along with all of our other inductees this year. You can read more about each inductee at sportmanitoba.ca. If you like this episode of the Sport Manitoba podcast, you can subscribe to our podcast. All 21 episodes are available anywhere you get your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media. It's at Sport Manitoba on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you know of somebody who you think would make for a good guest on our podcast, whether it's an athlete coach or somebody else involved in sport, you can email me at podcast at sportmanitoba.ca. Look for our next episode in September. Until then, I'm Nolan Cole. Thanks for listening to the Sport Manitoba podcast.